welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me in this holiday merry season. How you doing, Darcy? Hey, I'm doing good. Just took a big old sip of water. I was nervous I wasn't going <laughs> to get it down in time to say hey, but I did. I'm having... You stalled for me. I'm Thank having, you. You vamped. I'm having a little champ this evening. Are you? Yeah. What are we celebrating? That I'm officially on vacation for... Yay! One day. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go to the DMV tomorrow. Ugh, my license from California finally expired, and now i got to get an Illinois DMV. Or i got to go to the DMV that to get it. That sucks. You license. have to go on Christmas Eve? Well, the thing is, I don't have time off next week. I'm pretty much working the whole mm. freaking week. And... Um, the only day I have off is Friday, and I really don't want to go on Saturday because I'm sure it's probably insane on Saturday at the DMV. They're open on yeah. Saturday? So I'm trying to do it. But Saturday, Saturday's Christmas, so they're probably not open this yeah, Saturday. probably not this Saturday. But I definitely want to get it over with in a time where if I have to take a little bit longer, I'm not in a hurry to get back to work or whatever. So I'm just going to knock it out. i got to get my license yeah. renewed. It expired in October, and I haven't had a license for like two, two Ooh, months. Oh, you're illegal. Well, I haven't drive, driven anywhere. Oh, like okay. we don't ever, when, when we do go anywhere, Mike drives. We go together and Mike drives. Okay. So, like, I haven't had to. But then I learned from um, work that I was probably going to have to travel in the upcoming year. And I was mm. like, oh, crap. I guess I better freaking get my license renewed because I'm probably going to yeah. need to get a rental car wherever I go. And I yeah. can't get a rental car without a driver's license. So. No, you cannot. Got to get that squared away. Which is interesting. I've got a trip planned to California coming up in a couple months. Um gonna go back out yeah. to san diego enjoy some sun time you're gonna go to rancho yeah yeah gonna visit my pup mm -hmm. friends gonna go see all the doggies all my dog buddies i want to go to rancho all my brussels griffon peeps are gonna come make visits and i'm gonna go nice. see everyone it's gonna be nice to get away and get out because it's getting cold here yeah but um let's jump into some news stories this is part two of all the crap that's in the news that I, every single time, see, I read the news religiously. I read it probably, mm -hmm. I go onto news websites probably seven or eight times a day, every day. And whenever I see an article that I find interesting or that I want to talk about, I'll just cut and paste it into a folder that I have specifically for this show. I have one for my hypochondriac podcast. I have one for the three other podcasts that I do and I just put them in these folders and then when I have enough to make an episode, I record. So mm -hmm. I've got a lot of episodes for BFD for this podcast because, uh, or a lot of articles because I'm, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. There's a lot of stuff in the news. So I don't know if you saw this, but Ted Kaczynski has been transferred to prison medical facilities. I did not see that. This so was in the Washington he Post. was at the Supermax. Yeah, yeah. It says Ted Kaczynski, the 79-year-old Unabomber, transferred to prison medical facilities. Theodore Kaczynski, which... It sucks that his name is Theodore, because I love the name Theodore. I do like the name Theodore. He came to be known as the Unabomber for killing three people and injuring many more in a series of mail bombings over 17 years. He's been transferred to a federal prison medical facility known for treating inmates with significant health problems. A bureau of... Is it the one in Missouri? A bureau of prison spokeswoman said Wednesday. Hang on. I think it'll go into it. That's right. Kaczynski was transferred on December 14th from the Supermax prison in Florence, Colorado, where he was serving multiple life sentences to FMC Butner, a federal medical center in North Carolina. Oh, Do you know okay. where that is? I do know where that is. This person who uh, made the statement declined to provide details of Kaczynski's condition, but he's 79 years old. I mean, come on. Like, what, what are... And he's been living in prison. Like, it's not like he's at the picture yeah, of health. Yeah, what aren't you battling health-wise right. at the age of 79 is what I'm saying. It could be COVID, though, you know, because that's been spiking lately, too, but... Um, Ted's brother, David Kaczynski, said he had been told recently by someone who corresponds with his brother that he'd been moved to a different facility by the Bureau of Prisons, and the Bureau of Prisons declined to tell the family why he'd been transferred to. But it's interesting because I don't think Ted Kaczynski is in contact with his family at all anymore either. I don't think he's really in... Well, his brother's the one that turned him in. I don't think in. he's in contact with anyone really. Like, he's the kind of person that's no. just like, I'm done. I don't think they let you at the Supermax contact anybody. No. I think like that's the one of the points of the super yeah. but his brother like you said was the one that tipped the fbi to his brother yeah. as a possible suspect and said that ted doesn't respond to his letters anymore which you know can you blame him oh okay. um so i guess they he does get to respond <clears throat> to mail then 
Um, Kaczynski, 79, pleaded guilty in 1998 to carrying out a series of mail bombings in a deranged campaign against modern technology. This is a case that I definitely want to cover off on at some point in the show. Yeah. But he's been, he had been living in a cramped, crude cabin in the Montana woods. He eluded investigators for years until his brother recognized some of the themes in a manifesto sent to the New York Times and the, New York, and the Washington Post. The brother then notified authorities that the Unabomber might be Ted Kaczynski. Among the victims of Kaczynski's 16 bombs were a Yale computer scientist, an astronaut candidate, a Sacramento forestry lobbyist, a public relations executive, and the president of the United Airlines. His plea deal allowed Kaczynski to avoid the death penalty, though his sentence did not allow for the possibility for his release. Attorney General Merrick Garland, who worked on the Justice Department in a lower capacity when Kaczynski was arrested and helped supervise the prosecution, said it's one of the most important cases of his career. This is a very, very interesting case. And can you imagine just like yeah. the random nature, the somewhat random nature of the people he just kind of selected out of the blue to target with his bombs, right? Well, yeah, he had a very big vendetta against and a lot of anger toward technology and commercialization and urbanization and all this stuff. But he was the original tiny house fad creator. Really? Well, I mean, you know, that little cabin he lived in was like the original tiny house. You know they, like, dismantled that in Montana and, like, took it to the FBI facility. Um, I would not be surprised. It's very interesting. Yeah. The whole thing, Mm -hmm. from start to finish. Um, It's so fascinating, because he also claims that he was, when he was at Harvard, he was, he claims that he was subjected to the MKUltra project. It's a fascinating case. He was extremely, extremely intelligent. He was a young student, because I think he went to Harvard when he was, like, 16. Um, so he was, yeah, he's like, he's fascinating. I would love to cover that one. one I think we will at some point, once you have a chance to settle in a little bit more with your job. So Darcy recently, somewhat recently, when did you get this job? April. So yeah, you're still settling in. Like, I think it takes a good year. It's not, it's not so much that I'm working as that I'm working and trying to write my dissertation at the same time. That's what's taking Well, and your new job is really, I think, complex in a good way. I think it's, It's I think it's very, very interesting to you, but it's also complex. Yeah. So it's definitely, I think it takes a lot. It'll probably take about a year for you to really settle in um, and become like comfortable with it to the point where you're like, okay, I can handle this. But like when you first, you're in that first year when you're at a new job, that's very complex. And I've been there many, 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 many times before because I've had a thousand jobs. Mm -hmm. It just takes time. But yeah. I'm confident that we'll get to that point and you'll be like, yeah, yeah. Finally. Yeah, I'm in. looking forward to the day when I can like exhale and be like, I want to sit down and write a script today. Like that would be, that would be a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell has just been in the news Ugh. over and over and over. I think it's been a little bit overkill. There's like an article about mm-hmm. her in the news like every day. So we did cover off on the Ghislaine Maxwell case. She's kind of like the Theranos one. Like, we've covered her a couple times. Yeah. Like, but, like, specifically nauseam. one episode, but, like, updates and stuff. So we've talked about Ghislaine Maxwell many times on the show. But yeah. evidently she is smack dab in the middle of her trial right now. And they mm-hmm. have the victims that have been testifying and talking about how she was participating in these abuse of minors and finding the girls and... You know, recruiting them as kind of the madam for Jeffrey that basically it said that she was his girlfriend and that she couldn't keep up with his immense sexual appetite and that at that point is when she started finding these girls to massage him and do a bunch of other things oh. that she was unable to do. I didn't hear that as being part of the reason. I thought it was she was just doing it and then she also participated. Because she enjoyed kind of it. But they, they're painting yeah. it into that sort of a picture. But Okay. I guess the latest thing is um, judge pauses Ghislaine Maxwell trial deliberations until next week. So the mm. New York judge overseeing the criminal sex trafficking trial of Ghislaine Maxwell halted juror deliberations on Monday. So it's just like the Holmes case. They're in the mm-hmm. middle of deliberations and have not come up with anything yet. The jury will now resume deliberations after the Christmas break. The jury entered deliberations late Monday afternoon, this was this last week, to determine the fate of Maxwell, the British socialite, facing six felony charges for allegedly sex-trafficking underage girls for financier Jeffrey Epstein, who killed himself in 2019. During the trial, prosecutors accused Maxwell of grooming teenage girls for Epstein to abuse, arguing she prepared them for the encounter and brought them to his estates in Florida and New York. The charges spanned from 94 to 2004. 
The prosecution team painted Maxwell as Epstein's partner in crime who worked with the late financier to manage his lifestyle. The defense argued during the trial that Maxwell was innocent and a scapegoat for Epstein since she disgraced, since the disgraced financier is no longer alive. Before breaking for the holidays, the jury had requested additional information about several accusers and Epstein's housekeeper um, who testified that he saw two underage girls repeatedly visit the estate, according to the Associated Press. So they are on pause, but it was really interesting. They did parade a ton of witnesses, some of them mm -hmm. that are directly relevant because they're still within the statute of limitations, and some of them that are not necessarily as relevant because the statute of limitations has long since passed. But they could establish a pattern of behavior. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think that there maybe is some truth to this, her being a scapegoat, because Epstein is no longer here. I, I think she did her fair share, and I definitely think she should stand trial and, and mm -hmm. definitely serve her time, and, and justice should be served in those cases. But is she going to get a fair trial? Is she going to get a fair shake on this because Jeffrey Epstein is dead? I, I mean, I think so. I think what she did, I do think she's involved. I think what she does pretty like pretty horrific um regardless of whether or not it was her idea or not um i mean i i think she'll get a fair trial i think the bigger question will be the sentencing yeah <clears throat> like if she gets the book thrown at her like that might be something where people say that's because jeffrey epstein isn't here anymore um, but I don't know. I mean, I just don't think there's a whole lot of sympathy right now for no. upper class white women. <laughs> I think well, people are like, eh, we're over you and your privilege and your BS. Of. We're over you. Well, and what she's accused of is pretty gross. The worst of the worst. So, yeah. So I kind of don't care. I should care if she gets a fair trial because that's kind of the basis of our democracy. But right. like, I kind of don't care. Like, I don't care. <laughs> So, just so like I'm just being honest. The jury is deliberating. This one is a tough one. We'll see what happens. Did you hear the latest, though, about the Prince Andrew stuff? What was that? That Meghan Markle may be deposed. For the accusations? For the Prince Against? For the Prince Andrew Why would Meghan Markle do, be deposed? So, <clears throat> the, the, the Virginia, I believe the way you pronounce the last name is Jeffrey, that the victim or survivor that is suing Prince Andrew? Yeah. So that look, everything looks like it's going to go forward with that one. Like they were thinking that maybe because of like his status in he the UK, that it was going to get tossed. Yeah, but it, it looks like it's going to go forward. And her attorney has said that Meghan Markle may a because she married into the family be privy to some information about Prince Andrew. Interesting. Either have seen it or have heard stories oh, of God. it, and b that she's trustworthy enough to tell the truth. Um, and that she won't get up there and lie. Ugh. So he said they, they may subpoena her. I can't imagine she knows anything. That's going to be a media storm. Yes. Just ridiculous. I, mean, I, I think it's the thing where the attorney was like, he wanted to make it make a headline. Yeah. I can't imagine that she knows anything. Yeah, I don't think she knows anything. I don't think yeah. Andrew Prince Andrew would be dumb enough to like spread his information. The only thing I can see anybody is if they had seen it. The only... Yeah, I think the only thing that, I mean, the only thing I think she could possibly know would be possible hearsay stuff, yeah. which isn't even admissible. Right, right. So, I don't know. I yeah. think it's a media stunt. Yeah, I do, I do too. I think it was just like a headline grabber, and it was like, what what will that do? I don't think it'll do I anything. Because the whole, she, how long was she there before they even moved to California? I don't like, know. I feel like and her and the media, like, just let it go. Stop covering stories about them. It's disgusting. Yes, I agree. It's just like they just want to pick it apart and, and just... Although their new holiday ugh. card is adorable. It is, but it's like stop like the salacious headlines and trying to create oh, drama yes. with it. It's stupid. Let them live their lives. Yes. The reason they quit happy. the royal family is so they could have somewhat normal lives. Like, let them mm -hmm. live. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. that's my feelings on that. Anyway, Same. we'll keep you posted on the updates for the Ghislaine Maxwell trial as soon as a verdict is reached. Here's an interesting case that you're going to love. Okay. Indonesian woman charged with domestic violence for nagging her husband. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I knew you would get a kick out of this one. <laughs> so evidently an Indonesian woman who's facing domestic violence charges due to alleged nagging was recently acquitted by a local court in West Java. So obviously it's not in the U.S. because we don't mm -hmm. have stuff like that. But a Karawang District Court found 45-year-old housewife Nancy Lim, alias 
Valencia, not guilty of her alleged crime December 3rd, according to the South China Morning Post. She was charged with domestic violence in January for allegedly causing her then-husband psychological harm by nagging him. What the... According to the news, prosecutors claimed that Lim often scolded her husband, Chan Young Chin, harshly and kicked him out of the house. Chin, who's identified as Taiwanese, reported her to authorities September 2020. The mother of two who testified to a panel of judges that her husband was meet was usually drunk, broken to tears when she was absolved by the court for the charge. A guilty verdict would have resulted in a possible one-year prison sentence for nagging. So he was the drunk, and she's the one charged with domestic violence. Right. Yep. Just want to clarify yeah. that. So Lim's okay. case attracted social media attention, sparking an online campaign that aimed to shed light on the double standards through which authorities interpret and execute Indonesia's domestic violence laws. Online discussions highlighted how much faster authorities process the case of the nagging wife over cases that involve sexual and and physical Mm -hmm. domestic violence towards women. The hashtag Save Valencia went viral on Indonesian social media and gained coverage from Indonesia's local media. An online petition calling for Lim's acquittal garnered over 75,000 signatures. Without the support from the public, I can't imagine what would have happened to me, Lim later told the press. The Legal Aid Foundation for the Indonesian Women's Association for Justice similarly attributed the court's decision to the success of the online campaign. It went viral because of attention from the public. The foundation's director was quoted as saying, On this occasion, we have the media to thank for raising it in the public consciousness. Indonesian women's rights advocates lament how domestic violence remains a major challenge in the country. Although we already have the domestic violence laws, its implementation on the ground are still lacking, particularly Mm -hmm. from a law enforcement perspective. According to the National Commission on Violence Against Women, 78.7% of the 8,234 reported incidents of violence against women in 2020 were domestic violence cases. Mm. So it's it's a problem. Yeah. It really is. But nagging? Come on. How is that even in criminal statutes? I don't know anything about Indonesia, so I don't want to, like, say anything out of turn. But it's, in general, we punish women. Yeah. I mean, and just in general. We punish women for everything. So, I mean, I can see it from the other person. husband comes home drunk, of course that's your fault. Why were you so impossible to deal with it? You made your husband get drunk. I can see it from the other perspective, though. If gaslighting can be considered a criminal offense, then nagging should be considered a criminal offense. Not that that's a good argument, but I can see them making that argument. I think that the psychological harm that comes from gaslighting is far and away greater than the psychological, <clears throat> any psychological harm that might come from quote unquote nagging. Yeah, definitely. But I can see them using that, the people that are on the other side as sure. an argument. And I'm trying to play devil's advocate sure, and kind yeah. of see it from all perspectives. I can, I can see how you can ridiculous. get there. I, just, I, I don't buy it, but I can see how you can get there. Yeah. I just feel like the justice system in some of these countries is still very antiquated. And mm-hmm. obviously they're pushing to make updates, but it's a slow-moving process. Yeah. It really is. But nagging. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. I'm Outrageous. sure that one, you know, people rain down on that one. Good. Um, next case. Yeah. Ex-Olympian accused of allegedly securing millions in COVID aid, investing it in a Ted Bundy movie. Did you see this? I did see this. <laughs> I find and this I haven't seen this very movie interesting. either, but it's supposed to be pretty good. And I, it caught my eye because of the Ted Bundy right. element of it. But a former Olympic speed skater was accused of illegally obtaining millions in coronavirus relief money and investing part of it in a movie about serial killer Ted Bundy. Allison Baver, 41, was charged with eight counts of making false statements to a bank and one count of money laundering said the U.S. Attorney's Office in Utah. Beaver won a bronze medal for the women's 3,000-meter relay in the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, a win that came roughly one year after she shattered her ankle and broke her leg in a World Cup meet in Bulgaria. Jesus. She later started Allison Beaver Entertainment, a company that claims to empower visionaries, creators, and entrepreneurs to achieve greatness in film and television. In an indictment filed Wednesday, authorities said Beaver claimed in eight applications for payroll protection programs, fundings, filed with two banks last year that the company had an average monthly payroll of $4 million. In some applications, she said the company had 105 employees, according to the indictment. In others, she said there were 430 employees. The company had no employees and no monthly payroll. Um. On May 11, 2010, excuse me, on May 11, 2020, one of the banks, Meridian, funded Allison Baver Entertainment with a $10 million loan. 
Two months later, the document says she transferred 150000 to the production company behind No Man of God, a film released in August about serial killer Bundy starring Elijah Wood. It isn't clear if Baber has a lawyer. Court records don't list one. Her company did not immediately respond to the request for a comment. A spokeswoman for the film did not comment immediately either. Interesting. She's scheduled for arraignment January 18th. So she made up 400 employees. Basically, it, it sounds yeah. like it. I mean, granted, sure. you know, she hasn't had her day in court. She has not gone to trial. Sh sorry. She's charged with making up 400 employees. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's, like, so many. But again, this is what we're hearing based upon what somebody has interpreted. I mean, she could have a very good excuse behind this. Or she could just be fraudulent AF. Yeah. We don't know. I don't know anything about this movie. I didn't even know it came out until the story came out. Right. Um, I mean, you'd her. think we would have heard about it. I, I have actually heard it's good. Oh, you have? Yes. So it's not a it's not about Ted Bundy. It's about the character Elijah Wood plays. And I believe he plays like a journalist who interviews Ted Bundy. So like Ted Bundy's in it and like a, not Ted Bundy, but his character has, he, the you know, the quote unquote Ted Bun Bundy experience is in it as like a supporting role I think because I think it's primarily about this reporter but I don't know for sure but I have heard it's good it's interesting that they're still cashing in on that case how many years well, later well there's a there's, <laughs> there's a documentary that's been trying that's been raising money um and that's initially what I thought this case was about I, I thought too, she was raising money for the Utah, documentary yeah which is where that documentary is um but yeah that one is still I think they actually have finished filming that documentary but but yeah, I mean, there's still, he's still. I'm kind of Ted Bundy'd out, though. I mean, after we watched, what was the that? one? What was the one with. Um, Extremely vile. Yeah. After that, I was just like, okay. That was a good one, though. It was good. Um, Zach Efron, God, that guy, he has range. You wouldn't think he would, because he's like a yeah. kid actor, you know? Like that, just, I remember like that closing. High school like musical that, that kind of thing. very end scene. Yeah. When, like, when she asks him what he did and like you see like the little snippets of it like that yeah. oh, just oh. got the chills thinking about yeah. it <laughs> yeah he really portrayed that in a, an extremely believable way he did way, a really good job to the yeah. point where it was he, like it really captured to me the essence of the manipulation and yes. the ability of these some of these serial killers to convince people that they were absolutely innocent and that's what I was going to say is like it does a very good job of well first of all like I, I've never looked at Ted Bundy and thought he's attractive. I don't get it. He has a unibrow. Not, yeah. Not my thing. But um, they do a good job with Zac Efron because he's obviously objectively attractive. Yeah. They do a good job of, like, he does a good job of making himself, his personality and his behavior make him unattractive. He does a very good job of that. Yeah, but I don't necessarily see it that way. I see that we look at Ted Bundy from the outside now. But I think back then, if we were looking at him and speaking to him, he had the ability in person right. to create a persona that was attractive to many people. Right. That, whereas we look right. at him now, after the fact, in pictures and go, oh, he's ugly. But I think if well, we had known him back see, then, we thing. probably would have thought he was attractive. People now say that they find him attractive. Which is creepy. Is Which is very creepy. <laughs> when you Seriously. know the things that he did and you still say this is an attractive person, like yeah. that's messed up. But I agree with you. Like in like contemporary times, I still may have been, had a problem with the unibrow though. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't get you over know? that part. Yeah. But to me, when I watched that movie, just for the briefest of moments, I actually contemplated what if they did set him up? What if he didn't do this? What if they did set him up? Really? And that's the beauty of the acting and the writing in yes, that movie. Yes, he does a great job. Was yeah, It was just was tremendous. Yeah. Like, to I, make I never, you believe as a skeptic and yeah. as a true crime podcaster and author and all that other stuff and researcher for this many years to actually make me believe in that for the, for the split second is yeah. genius. It, it was a good movie. Yeah. Kudos to them for that one. Yeah. So if you haven't seen that one, go check it out, folks. What yeah. is it called again? Extremely I Vile. Know. Something vile, wicked, and something. Zac something. Efron yeah. <laughs> plays Ted Bundy. Just so. Google the Zac Efron Ted Bundy. Go check Bundy it out. Movie. I think it's probably on Netflix still, it's, right? Yeah, it came out on Netflix. I'm sure it's still on Netflix. Yeah. It's well done. Lily Collins is in it. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Um, next case, uh, John Bonet. <gasps> Boulder police turning to genetic DNA in the John Bonet Ramsey case, which, mm -hmm. really? They're just doing it now? 
Um, this one has been splashed across the headlines as well, but Colorado yes. police are evaluating the use of DNA in a case investigating the killing of John Benet Ramsey as the 25th anniversary of the cold case approaches. 25 mm-hmm. years. I know. She would have been like 30 now. Isn't that crazy? She would have been in her 30s, yeah. Because she in was, a, what, eight? Yeah. In a news release, the Boulder Police Department announced they're turning to a newer developments in the world of forensic science in an attempt to crack the famous unsolved case. Mm-hmm. The department noted that as of this month, nearly 1,000 DNA samples taken from the crime scene of the 1996 murder have been analyzed and multiple suspects have been evaluated as possible matches. They're now hopeful that DNA analysis will advance their progress. As the department continues to use new technology to enhance the investigation, it's actively reviewing genetic DNA testing processes to see if these can be applied to the case moving forward. In addition to DNA evidence, the police department has looked into more than 21,000 tips, letters, and emails, and has interviewed more than 1,000 people in connection with the case. Genetic DNA is increasingly being used by investigators to solve cold cases, Mm -hmm. notably leading to Joseph James D'Angelo's arrest in 2018 and later convictions for the Golden State Killer crimes. The news of the Boulder Police Department's attempt to use the process in the Ramsey case comes just days shy of December 26, Mm -hmm. which marks 25 years since a six-year-old girl was found dead in her Boulder home. So she was six. Six, yeah, not eight. Yes, so this is a press release. They don't have anything. They're just saying we're looking at genetic genealogy to see if we can, because we did find DNA that was not related to her family on her body or on her clothing, um, and we're, we're starting the genetic ge- genealogy process. They, they don't have anything. So there's no real new news here. No, there is no news other than they're starting the genetic genealogy process. Yeah. But it is, it's headline grabbing, obviously. Interesting. It yes. is. Um, tw- you know, 25-year anniversary, right? Mm-hmm. It's pretty big. It, and it's interesting because they found DNA that's not related to anybody in her family on her or at the scene. But they've also almost conclusively proven that the mom wrote that ransom note. Yeah. It's so an interesting be, case. We ha- yeah, I haven't covered it. Just I want to cover it at some point. Because it's a very compelling case. Yeah. And there's been a lot of information that's come out about this mm-hmm. case. So it provides, you know, good a good amount of information to be able to cover the case. But I'm mm-hmm. just convinced that they're close to finding something on it to blow it open. Are you, aren't you? Um, I, I lean toward police. What's the word I want to use? Not malfeasance, but maybe incompetence in the original handling of the case. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that they probably could have solved it back then. And I think there were some, some, some high-placed, well-placed people in the Aurora Justice Department that maybe didn't let things go when they should have. Because hmm. I do I think mean, the family's involved in some way. Look at when the case came out. I mean, I think it was pretty typical for kind of the bumbling smaller department police's issues you know not being able to handle murder cases not being super experienced well not only that but the family had a lot of money and influence yes and we all know that when money is involved there often can be different outcomes for people involved exactly um including murder suspects so it's an interesting case. Um, stay tuned. Um, we will cover it at some point. A on lot the of podcast. people think the brother did it. I'm not sure I buy that, but I can see how they think that. But I'm not sure I agree. Yeah, with but that. the signs of the sexual assault. I don't think the brother did that because they would have found We're, DNA evidence. Right. So I think I do think the family's involved, but I don't know in what capacity. Well, 25 years down the line, who knows if this person that did it is even still alive? I mean, yeah. And why would but Patsy write that note? I just don't understand. Unless she knew or was involved. Right. Well, like, that was why the ori- like one of the original theories was, like, it was an accident and they wrote the note to cover it up. Yeah. But <clears throat> I don't believe that. I don't know. I just don't know. And the whole thought that she was killed down in the basement and, like, in a creepy kind of a thing. Ugh. And they searched the house and didn't find her until they went down in the ba- I mean, that to me Well, and then, is I mean, creepy. they... they the, the friends of the family have talked about that search as they said it was kind of 
haphazard and not as thorough as maybe they like go under a room throw the pillows in the air well we searched yeah and like (laughs) we're good here and yeah so but then on the other hand work was a little shoddy shoddy yeah well not only that but i start to think of it in our house now i can see something like that happen and happening in a house like this it's seven thousand square feet the basement is massive somebody could kill somebody in the very end of our basement and we wouldn't know I mean, I hope nobody's killing somebody in your basement. I hope not either. But, like, if something like this happened, you can't hear anything from the basement when you're on the second floor or the first floor. And you would never know anything happened in there unless you went and inspected. It's a different third party that broke into the house. I think so. Okay. But I can't can't explain the, the whole mother letter thing. Yeah. That just seems weird to me. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's an interesting case. Um, we'll cover it in more detail on a later date. I just, I have so many cases I want to cover. I can't I know. possibly, like we're just touching, scraping the tip of the iceberg and, oh, yeah. and some of this stuff. So um, at some point I will, but it's going to take a lot of research and a lot of time to write a case like that. So Yeah, for sure. And I haven't been able to have the time to dedicate to something like that yeah. yet. But I want to give a shout out to my friend Sam, who sent me this next case. It's from her hometown. Okay. Um, North Idaho murder suspect faces cannibalism charges. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I'm always interested when I see cannibalism cases. Uh, See, I'm not. Very much not. The incentive behind it, you know, the (laughs) mental illness behind it. But Bonnie counter prosecutor Louise Marshall or Lewis Marshall filed an amended complaint charging James David Russell, 39, of cannibalism in relation to a September 10th murder. This is in Bonner County, Idaho, and there's a warning. It says this story contains graphic information. Ooh. An old town man is being charged with cannibalism in addition to first-degree murder, as reported by the KREM2 news partner, the Bonner County Daily Bee. Bonner County Prosecutor Lewis Marshall filed this complaint on Wednesday about the cannibalism charges. But pieces of David Flaggett's body were found upon searching this man's residence the day after the murder, including a thermal artifact. What? Do you know what that is? So a thermal artifact is an observational finding showing that heat has been applied to only a portion of the remains as opposed to the entire body. So maybe to cook the flesh. In oh order my to God. All of the suspected remains were sent to the Spokane Medical Examiner's Office. Dr. Vina Singh, Spokane's in Washington State, by the way. Dr. Venus Singh completed the autopsy for the man who died September 13th, finding the tissues discovered in Russell's residence belong to David Flaggett. Some of Flaggett's remains have not yet been found. A bloodied microwave and glass bowl were among the items seized in the search, along with a bloody Mm -mm. knife and a duffel bag. Mm -mm. When dealing with death and carnage, it's a shock to our conscience, said the Bonner County detectives. As far as I know, this is the first cannibalism charge in Idaho. So I think there have been cannibalism cases. I don't know that there have been charges related to them because you think of the Donner Party kind of a thing back in the day, but yeah, I don't think any of California. those. Yeah, but that I think that that was something that had oh. happened multiple times. I don't think the Donner Party was the only case of that. I'm with you. Okay. Um, but they didn't have charges related to any of those. Sure. But. In any case, um, on September 10th, sheriff's deputies were notified of a possible murder on Lower Mosquito Creek Road. Upon arrival, they found David Flaggett upside down in the passenger seat of his truck, unresponsive. Russell ran away from law enforcement, barricading himself in the loft space of the garage building he resided in on the property. After a brief standoff, Russell was compliant with law enforcement commands and allowed himself to be apprehended. According to court documents, he was unable to understand his Miranda rights after they were repeatedly read to him. He made only one statement to law enforcement in which he repeated more than twice... It's private property, and we don't like non-family on it. Flaggett had several conflict-like run-ins with Russell and told the family about told his family about them. The family had enough warning signs that Mr. Russell was a danger to himself and others. According to the supplemental probable cause affidavit, Russell believed that he could heal himself by cutting off portions of flesh in order to cure his brain. Hmm. Russell was not screened for substances after he'd been apprehended. There's evidence that a cleanup kit was used to dispose of remains or other evidence after the murder, according to witnesses. 
Flaguette's wrists were found duct taped together according to the affidavit of probable cause. Since no traces of blood were discovered underneath the tape, it's believed Flaguette must have been restrained before he was murdered. There's a lot of facets we certainly will never know. It wasn't the bloodiest crime scene, but it's more of the psychological. What the heck is going on here? Why am I picking up pieces? Oh, my God. It's a walk down the dark path that we don't see very often. Court proceedings were paused in late October after first... District Magistrate Judge Tara Hardin found Russell unfit to stand trial for second-degree murder and ordered him to Idaho Security Medical. Uh, the results of the mental health evaluation remain under sealed court order. Russell is scheduled to appear for review hearing in December 28th. He's probably going to be declared unfit for trial. It sounds like it. It's another Lori Vallow. <laughs> Lori Vallow type thing. Where they're like, yeah. they're just going to hold him indefinitely under it, medical it, care. Until wasn't Richard Chase the one that was killing people because he thought he could stop the earthquake it's more of that craziness yeah <laughs> it's yeah, like it, it i keep hearing like stuff about the Lori vallow case too just yeah. on and on and on i watch i listen to another podcast about it too and it's just like the stuff that you hear about them feeling as though they were justified to kill people and do these terrible things because either god's telling them to do it or they believe that God has justified their purpose and that he will come rescue them before they're put to death or before they're sentenced to some god-awful life sentence in prison. Yeah. But it sounds like this guy killed the other man because he thought that if he ate his flesh, it would cure his mental illness. Yes. Okay, and the thing... Oh, this is so awful. That, like, it sounds like he was, like dressing it like a deer like dressing this man's body like a deer like upside down in his car cannibalism is the one thing i don't do cannibalism cases are so i just don't understand how people can yeah. ever uh -uh. and uh -uh. and what human flesh must taste like it sounds no, absolutely uh, atrocious finish that sentence absolutely i just not. can't imagine ever willing willingly no letting love. human flesh cross my lips <laughs> next Next story. Next story. I'm getting grossed out. It's disgusting. Okay, so we did a little cannibalism. <laughs> We've got a little bit of everything in this episode. Um, new technology, new fingerprint technology leads to arrest in 1983 murder of woman waiting for a train. You probably didn't see this one. Probably got lost in all the other news. Okay. But a suspect that has been arrested nearly four decades after a young woman was brutally murdered while waiting for a train in Florida thanks to new fingerprint technology. Carla Lowe, 21, was attacked while waiting for a train at the Amtrak station on Delray Beach in November 1983. Jesus. Her body was found nearby. She had been both beaten and run over by a vehicle, which... Oh, my God. Good Lord, right? The Delray Beach Police Department announced on November 30th, which was a few weeks back, um, that advancements in fingerprint technology pointed them to suspect Ralph Williams, 59, in Jacksonville, Florida. He was subsequently arrested, and a grand jury has indicted him for first-degree murder in connection with Lowe's death. He so he was a teenager when this happened. He would have been around her age at the time of the death. Yeah. God. With recent advances in technology, we were able to obtain fingerprints from a piece of evidence left at the scene, Detective Todd Clancy said at a press conference. Clancy is the first and only detective in the department's new cold case unit, according to Forensic Magazine. He explained that detectives at the department worked in tandem with the U.S. King with the United Kingdom-based company Foster and Freeman, which has a new machine out there that is able to get a new fingerprint. It's amazing that there's still technology coming out with respect to fingerprints because you—it's yeah. such an old um, forensic technique of yeah. pulling fingerprints to try you to solve crimes. would think they would have it like what else locked can down, right? But they don't. Fingerprints. This yeah. new machine was able to pull something new, but it's called a recover machine. And it allowed okay. investigators to retrieve a fingerprint that they'd been unable to identify in traditional ways. He did not say what surface the fingerprint was recovered from, but Foster and Freeman's website describes the recover machine as utilizing a cutting-age chemical vapor fuming process that can lift prints from difficult surfaces, including those that have been exposed to extreme heat, discharged bullet casings, for example, and items that have been washed clean. I heard hmm. about this because there was... Not a machine, but it was a case of a, a young woman who'd been killed in Alaska, and they tented the body and used fumes to pull fingerprints off cloth. So I think Ooh, it's a similar sort of a thing. Okay. But the forensic magazine reports on whatever service provided the fingerprint have been in storage for 28 years. Excuse me. Wow. Forensic magazine reports that whatever surface provided the fingerprint had been in storage for 28 years. 
And I, wow. I suspect that it was some sort of a cloth surface. But a murder, a motive for the murder has not been divulged, though Forensic Magazine states that Williams had no connection to Lowe. Still, he reportedly always has been a suspect in the murder. Following oh, the announcement, Lowe's sister Jackie Lowe, Rapace, released a statement through the police. I just want the world to know Carla was a good person. She was a beautiful and giving person. She wasn't just a piece of trash that someone threw away. Mm. The sibling added that she never thought this day would come. For years, Lowe's murder was considered a cold case, and the department had no unit dedicated to reinvestigate them. Once I was selected for the position, said Clancy, I contacted the retired detectives and asked what cases they'd worked on back in the day that they felt could be solved through DNA, fingerprints, new technology, or even re-interviewing witnesses. Carla Lowe was the main case, he added. I can't tell you the efforts he went through and his skill and knowledge with new technology, retired detective Mark Woods, the original Lowe murder investigator, said of Clancy. Going through every piece of evidence to see if there was some other test they could run. It's not clear if Williams has an attorney at this point, but... Wow. It just goes to show, like, murderers, there is no statute of limitation on murder. Right. You know? So they can catch them 50, 60, 70, conceivably 100 years later and still convict them because of the fact that there is no statute of limitation. So people like this who don't lose hope and who continue to press on these cases because they know that if they just look through these facts over and over again, somebody's going to catch on to something. It's just an amazing yeah. thing, right? Yeah, it's incredible. And I know I keep saying this, like, it's like I'm beating a dead horse with it, but I'm so amazed that law enforcement officers of that time had the wherewithal and the foresight to save this evidence. Yeah. Absolutely. So that it could be used and tested again. Like, that's just amazing to me. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, to me, it's absolutely interesting and invigorating that they're still finding new technology or still developing new technology to perfect fingerprint pulls. Pulling a fingerprint. You'd think that it's like, you know, they've captured everything. We already know how to do it. Yeah, like we know everything there is to know about fingerprints. Like that's, it is what it is. But But it's not. They're still developing technology to perfect that technique, which is awesome. Science is awesome. It is. (laughs) Um, And congrats to them for solving that case so they can finally provide closure to that family of that young woman. Mm Mm-hmm. So the final case that I want to talk about today, we covered this case in episode 129, and it was the case um, in, that was May of this year, of Abby Williams and Libby German, Um, and that was the Delphi murders. Mm. Um, A new article just came out this week about this case. It says, investigators in the Delphi murders seek new info on catfish suspect posing as male model. Did you see this? I did see this. Investigators in Indiana are releasing new information about a catfish that may be tied to the unsolved Delphi murders. Abigail Abby Williams, 13, and Liberty Libby German, 14, disappeared from the Delphi Historic Trails February 14, 2017, after they went out to enjoy an afternoon walk on their day off from school. The next day, the friends' bodies were found about a half mile away. Now investigators with the Indiana State Police Lafayette District have announced they've uncovered a fictitious social media profile during the course of their investigation. In Monday's press conference, authorities turned to the public in hopes of gleaning more information about the phony profile creator known as a catfish who went by the name of Anthony Schatz on social media between 2016 and 2017. Police released photos of a male model used by the suspect, emphasizing that they were in contact with the model who was mm-hmm. not a person of interest in their investigation. Mm-hmm. The fictitious Anthony Schatz profile used images of a known male model and portrayed himself as being extremely wealthy and owning numerous sports cars, according to Public Information Officer Sergeant Jeremy Pierce. The creator of the fictitious profile used his information while communicating with juvenile females to solicit nude images, obtain addresses, and attempt to meet them. Police say the catfish used social media sites, including Snapchat, Instagram, and possibly others, to lure in underage girls. They did not explicitly say whether or not Williams or German were in communication with this suspect. Kelsey German, the older sister of Libby German, told Oxygen.com that the new information came in after a lull in the case, bringing a lot of emotions to the surface. Mm. I feel like I'm going through different stages of grief that I hadn't felt in a long time. It brings up a lot of old wounds, said Kelsey. Law enforcement releasing information after over two years of silence brings our families, and I believe the public too, a lot of hope that the detectives aren't giving up and they're working diligently to get this solved. Mm -hmm. She hopes anyone with information will come forward. 
At this point, the focus is looking for individuals, especially girls, who at some point had contact with a person using the picture shared under the name Anthony underscore shots, Kelsey told Oxygen.com. Whether they met this person, attempted to meet this person, or simply had communication with this person, it's important that these individuals contact police and let them know. The case gained nationwide attention after Libby German used her cell phone to capture a grainy image of the suspect. Audio evidence collected from, the Germans, from German's phone included the man saying, down the hill. Despite numerous appeals to identify the man, the case remains unsolved. According to Fort Wayne's NBC affiliate, police have accumulated more than 40,000 tips and 1,000 suspects since 2017. Mm. The bodies of Abigail Williams and Liberty Germain were discovered February 14, 2017, after the pair vanished while hiking on an Indiana trail. In 2019, police released a sketch of the suspect they believed is the person responsible for the murders of these two little girls. We believe you are hiding in plain sight, Indiana State Police Superintendent said at the time. Kelsey German stated it was her hope to see closure in her sister's case. My hope is that this will be the one tip we need to get an arrest and close the chapter. She told Oxygen.com, I hope this release will lead to justice being served. Anyone with information is urged to contact law enforcement at 765-822-3535 or through the tip email, abbyandlibbytip at cosasheriff.com. We will put that in the show notes. Police mm-hmm. ask that tipsters provide as much detailed information as possible. Interesting that it's tied to a catfish sort of a scheme. I wa- and I wonder if the person, because they've said that this whoever was running this was contacting other <clears throat> children. I wonder if, if the link is that they were contacting children in this area. It's entirely possible. You know, like I wonder why this is now, like I wonder what made them so, um, look to this and what made them release this information. If it was like a local thing or if this was, if they found something on. They had to have um, found this the on the girl's account. They had to have found this on the phone or on their social media accounts and saw that this young man, this catfish person had contacted them and asked them to meet I don't up. know that they found proof that this person contacted either of the two girls because I think that would have come out earlier. I don't necessarily know. What if they didn't, what if they discounted it because they didn't think that there was an element of that involved in this case? I mean, well, regardless of like, well, it sounds as though they thought this was a spur of the moment thing. And because they saw the man on the phone, they just thought that it was like a sort of situation where these girls, it was completely unplanned. And this man just was an opportunistic killer and found them out on this trail and killed them. But what if it's a situation, yeah, they would, what if it's a situation where he had contacted them previously and told them to meet him in this area yeah. and they had gone out there to meet him in this area and that guy showed up. That's what I'm saying. I think that one of the first things they would have done is check their social media profiles and they would have seen that. Maybe they did and they just discounted it. Who knows? Yeah. We're not privy to everything that the police department has on this case. We're not privy right. to the hundreds and thousands of tips that have already been processed, right? Right. Yeah. And I think that there is some tendency in some cases to discount these sorts of things because they're they're newer, newer technology, newer platforms, mm-hmm. newer types of this whole catfishing thing. Mm-hmm. I think the vast majority of people in law enforcement don't even know what catfishing is. The old school folks. Well, and and then I mean, what the other thing we're seeing, and this is one of the first episodes we did, is like dating apps gone wrong. Yeah. So we're seeing that, but we're not used to seeing something like that no. when it comes to kids. No. So I think it's so yeah, new I, that I don't. Nec- I think it yeah. gets discounted. I don't necessarily think people think, "Oh, this is something that could happen." Yeah. And it's scary because there are a lot of parents out there right now that number one are not monitoring their child's social media. They're not monitoring the cell phones, and every kid has a cell phone now. And that's a really fine line because where do you stop being like? Where's the line between being like an overbearing parent versus just like making sure your kids are safe? Absolutely. And I think I mean that's that's regardless of any generation. I think every parent ever has had to deal with that question. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, it's when when it comes to cell phones and like the fact that like everybody can be so much more private these days than they could when I was a kid. Like it's I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer. Yeah. It's tricky. It really is. Yeah. Um, and I I really feel like they're they're close. I hope so. Um, to finding something and developing something on this case. They've got to crack it soon. I really hope so. And I believe Kelsey is a criminal justice major now in college. Yeah. 
I know she's a big advocate and talks about this case a lot, but I believe she went, she, she went to college and, and is majoring in criminal justice now as a result of everything that has happened yeah. with this. Well, who can blame her? I mean, absolutely. I don't think anyone is ever prepared for a death of someone they know or mm -hmm. someone that's close. And so it creates this sort of a situation where it just changes your life so dramatically that you can't help mm -hmm. but react to it in some strange and interesting types of ways sometimes. Absolutely. Um, and I'm I'm hopeful that this case is very close to being solved. Me too. It feels like it. Doesn't it feel like it? Don't you feel like just any day now it's going to pop? I, I don't know. I mean, I hope so. I think just the changes and the new evidence, uh, the new ways of looking at things, the new ways of processing evidence, the new technologies mm -hmm. that are out there have made it so that a lot of these cases can be more easily solved and eventually we'll find it. We'll find that yeah. killer. So, anything else you want to add before we wrap this up for the day? No, I don't have any a good note to end on on this one. Yeah. So, um, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can shoot us an email. We're at the BFD Podcast at gmail.com. We love getting emails from you guys. We love getting questions, comments, or concerns, um, suggestions for improvement. We're down for all of that. We would also ask that you please rate, review, and subscribe. It's really, really important. It helps us pop higher in searches for people that are looking for the particular content that we cover on this show. Darcy and I have been doing this for three years now, going on 2020, or 2022 will be our fourth year in podcasting. I can't believe it's been that long. I know, right? Um, Bonkers. We're definitely passionate about this. Um, we don't get paid. We do it for the love of the genre. We do it for the love of this true crime yeah this true crime family the true crime fans our friends our family everyone who's involved with this and our friends and family are already you know conveying that they've enjoyed some of the content that we're bringing so it'd be nice if you could show us a little love go rate review and subscribe that would be awesome we really 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 appreciate it do that as our little christmas prezi right dars yeah, exactly. And if you would like some to check out some pictures from some of these cases, you can check out our Instagram. What's that at, Darcy? We are at the BFD Podcast on Instagram. So like um, Sarah said, we'll be posting um, pictures of these cases, and we might throw in the um, hotline for the, the Delphi case in the comments or caption or something like that. It will definitely be in the show notes um, on yeah. the platform that we post on. Um, in case you want to see okay. that, or you can always do a Google search as well. I mean, I'm sure yes. they're blasting that on the articles that are dealing with this case because they're so anxious to get tips and help solve it rapidly. Yeah. Um, and please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye.